Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Also, if you might have seen the announcement by the time this episode airs and posts, we are now a part of Dash Radio as well on the Nothing But Net channel. We air every day from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. And you can catch all of these episodes, and we're going to put some additional content there as well. Also, check out 5reasonsports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, Reasons Sports. Dot com where you can get all of your South Florida content for free. No paywall, no $3 a month. You can get all of our content for free, all of our trending stories, our columns, also the YouTube channel where actually as we speak, there's a new episode of 90 Minutes Strong previewing. By the time you listen, this will probably be a review of uh, Inner Miami's a second match up in Orlando. I believe this one is against Philadelphia. So check out all of that stuff on there, as well as all the podcasts from Three Yards Per Carry, which will be back in two weeks when the Dolphins come back for training camp. Five Rings, Canes, Light Skinned Opinions, Balls Cast, Shula Bowl, and more. Also check out all the great sponsors in the Five Reasons Sports Network. One of my co-hosts today has already checked out this sponsor, and now everybody's taking pictures of it uh, when they go to the stores like uh, – where, where it's stocked, which is Biscayne Bay Brewing, which is the official craft beer of the aforementioned Inner Miami and also the Miami Marlins. It is South Florida's actual independent brewery. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this very community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to the community and supporting Five Reasons Sports, so we appreciate that, and so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content you can handle for free, if you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff, which is Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, and Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. It's the beer we're drinking at Five Reasons Sports. And do us one better. Post a picture, tag at Five Reasons Sports and at Biscayne Bay Brew. And I can tell you, they're as active on social media as I am. So we'll all retweet you and you'll get famous and you'll be drinking great beer. And hopefully you'll be drunk enough that you don't even remember if you do something stupid while you're famous. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor, as I mentioned, also on the Nothing But Net channel. Today's floor plan, we're going to divide this one into two parts. Um, hopefully you caught the last episode, Greg Sylvander debuted Guts Check here. Um, thanks to John Kozan for the production of that. Uh, it was pretty cool. But today we've got Nikias Duncan. He's been with us before on five on the floor. Alphonse Sidney joins me. Alex Salito may show up at some point. He's, you know, he's kind of like Norm from Cheers, if anybody knows that reference. We're going to talk about two different things today. Jimmy Butler, they're not things, they're people. Der Jimmy Butler and Derek Jones Jr. were the two calls today on Zoom. I think a lot of these episodes going forward, we're going to focus on the players who do talk to the media because we're getting two a day. And Alex and I are kind of rotating on these Zoom calls. We were both on the calls today. Um, and that way it gives us an opportunity to get into what players need to do as the season resumes. Um, we're going to start with Jimmy Butler. He got the most attention today because, one, <laughs> he's the highest-paid player of the team. Uh, but, two, he doesn't talk to the media all that often, and he hasn't talked to the media in forever. Um, I feel like I know what he's doing because I've talked to people around him, but he's done a lot of the, the circuit, podcasts, that kind of stuff, but he hasn't really talked to the locals. He spoke today for almost 20 minutes, and we're going to focus on all of it, but we've got Nikias here because I really want to focus on the basketball part. But first, I, I want to start here because I think this is going to get the most attention. Um, I'm going to play a clip from Jimmy when he was asked about social justice specifically, but also about whether or not he's going to wear one of the so-called slogans that the NBA has approved on the back of his jersey. I have decided not to. With that being said, I hope that my last name doesn't go on there as well. 
just because I, I love and respect all the messages that the league did choose. But for me, um, I felt like with no message, with no name, it's going back to like who I was. And if I wasn't who I was today, um, I'm no different than anybody else of, of color. And I want that to be my message in the sense that um, just because I'm an NBA player, everybody has the same right, no matter what. And um, that's how I feel about my people of color is this is a thing that we will do more action towards. Um, I'm with, like I said, the um, Black Lives Matter and, and all the phrases that they chose to put on the back of the jersey. But for me, it's a lot more about action and um, continuing to learn and teach the people around me and I'm um, doing what I can in my community. Okay, so that was his answer on that. Um, we've talked a little bit about this on the program. I think a lot of people take leads from Jimmy, but this is a much different stance than any other player in the NBA is taken. Alf, what was your view of it when you heard about it? Um, I don't know exactly what the significance is of not putting your own name on the jersey, um, but I get it. You know, I, I it's uh, some of these, some of the slogans on the back, which is equality, it's this and that. That's all fine, well and good, but he, Jimmy's right. It doesn't mean anything without action. So I understand the symbolism. Like, symbolism is important. We talk about symbolism all over uh, the country right now. When you're talking about Confederate statues, Confederate flags, you're talking about the Washington Redskins and, or should I say, racial slurs and uh, changing the name. Um, symbolism, names, uh, these kinds of things are important and they mean something. And I get, I understand the, the slogans on the back of the jerseys. I understand why some people just think it's, you know, it's superficial and it's not that important. But I mean, it's different to everybody, right? I think Myers Leonard is putting equality on the back of his jersey. But at the same time, Myers Leonard is also doing the work and saying all the right things. So if, the, if it goes hand in hand, I'm fine with the, you know, the names on the back uh, or the slogans on the back. But if it's, if it's just, you know, it's, if it's just, you know, lip service and it's not, there's no real action behind it, then Jimmy's right. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's what I took out of it. Um, in his point, there's no action. But I also think, Nikias, another thing I took from it is that Jimmy doesn't talk about his story as much as he used to, but that was the narrative when he came in. You know, obviously, uh, you know, he was homeless, tomball. I mean, people know the backstory, but it's not something he talks about regularly now. But, but I do feel like there was also, it's not just he's making a social justice statement here, but I also think based on his history of people thinking that he's not a great teammate and he puts himself above everyone, that not even putting his name on the back of the jersey, I took that as kind of a pushback of that, you know, that there is no name on the back. I mean, we always talk about it's a name on the back, you know, name on the front, not the name on the back. He literally does not want a name on the back. Um, what was your view of it? Um, I took a lot of that that you took out of it, honestly. Um, him taking his name off, he made a point in his statement to say, like, I'm removing my name because I'm. if I wasn't in the NBA, I would be viewed basically the same as everyone else with my skin color. And I think that was powerful in and of itself. Um, my biggest takeaway is that this kind of highlights, or at the very least, it kind of pokes, hole pokes holes in the whole, the Orlando's going to be a great place to make a stand type argument that I, I disagreed with, honestly. Um, I've been pretty vocal on my Twitter account, as vocal as I can be on Twitter, <laughs> to be clear. But um, I haven't liked the idea of the NBA coming back. I understand why it's coming back, because there's a lot of money in the balance. And Alpha's talked about it a lot, that you know players do deserve to have the choice to do what they want to do. So I do get that part of it. But I still feel like the restart, especially happening in Orlando, is A, dangerous, and B, a bit of a distraction. And so when the, the when the idea came out that the NBA wanted to allow players to put custom um, custom messages on the back of their jerseys, I was like, okay, it's a small drop in the bucket. It's not really doing anything, but it's a, it's at least a, it's some symbolism. Like I can deal with that. But once it came out that it was basically prepackaged. I mean, there are only a few um, there are only a few phrases you can put on there. It just kind of highlights how the lack of freedom that they really had with it. It, it just it is just a lot of lip service, and I didn't. Yeah, Nakai's that was my problem when they had the pre the pre package, like you said, pre packaged list of approved messages you could put on the back. Like I know a lot of people were talking about um, people putting F twelve on the back of their jersey. Like <laughs> I understand not wanting to go that 
that far. But now Tyson Chandler put Trayvon Martin on the back of his jersey, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, what what are we doing? Are there there's there's you know are, are there's approved uh, grievances in the black community? Like, and who approves them? Adam Silver? <laughs> like, we're 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 kind of missing the point here. Um, so, I we've I I've said on the on this show like if there are players that want to use this platform to try to make change and try to do good, I'm all for that. I'm happy for them. And if there's conscientious obje- uh, objectors that want to sit out, I'm all for that too. But I just feel like the, the slogans on the back of the jerseys, it's the fact that it's prepackaged and it's, it's fed to us by, by, you know, by Nike or Adidas or whoever's uh, sponsoring the jerseys nowadays. It just, it kind of it kind of rings hollow when when once you started hearing that you, there were only there were only uh, like thirty approved. I don't even think it was thirty, like twenty approved. No, it's it's not even thirty, and and that's the part Alpha I didn't really understand about it. Like, I understand the NBA wanting to get a look at them before they go out. I mean, it is their brand ultimately, but I don't understand why it couldn't have been initiated by the players and sent for approval to the league, unless they just didn't want a lot of unhappy players who said, oh, I sent it to the league and they wouldn't allow it. I mean, it sounds like certain players, I mean, Jimmy's going off the board anyway, right? I mean, he, he, he said today, I asked the league uh, and I'm waiting on an answer. So why couldn't others have done that and allow the players to choose what they wanted and then have the league say yes or no, as opposed to have the league say, here's a list, choose from it. I, that's the part I didn't, I didn't understand why it went that direction, I guess. It's not like the players have their own seamstress, <laughs> like where, where they're going to come out with the unapproved jersey minutes before the game. Like it's not. It, they could have gave the play, play, They could have gave the players a deadline to uh, a week before the first game, whatever, to to submit your um, to submit your jersey slogan, whatever, and they can review it and approve it or on a, or disapprove whatever whatever you want to call it um, by pre like Kai's put it perfectly prepackaging the the names on the back. It kind of it really took all it took a lot of the pop out of it or a lot of the the power out of it. It just became, hey, look, we're gonna sell these. <laughs> like that's what it felt like. Uh, we need the pre-approved ones so we can get them online so we can start selling them. Well, and and that's the problem with this whole thing for the NBA is everything seems to be about money. And then you did something that was supposed to be not about money, and then it appears that it's about money. All right, I want to get to the second part of this because as we're talking, there's three parts of Jimmy I want to get to today. So that was first. The second thing was. I'm going to play a clip for a second that got a lot of attention uh, about uh, what he feels about being in the bubble. But as we're saying that, Chris Haynes had a report tonight, and uh, Bleacher Report picked it up, and I just saw our, our new uh, Twitter uh, handle, Clutch NBA at 5R, put it out too. During the quarantine period in Orlando last week, Jimmy Butler got reported for a disturbance complaint after dribbling in his hotel room. Um, this this is more of this Jimmy up at three thirty in the morning stuff that started in training camp. I think that's a perfect segue. I feel like an old radio that's host. Cultures, now. Ethan. That's that's culture. That is culture. Um, I feel like I'm doing segues like I used to at radio. Uh, that leads us to his answer today, which when I tweeted it out, it's got about sixteen hundred likes, and everybody's in love with Jimmy again about the bubble and whether he's okay with it. This is easy. I think you know when you. You really look at what's important. Um, we do get to eat. We do have a roof over our head. We do have clothes on our back. Um, it may be, you know, something that you're not used to, but at the end of the day, it could be a lot worse. And for a lot of people in this league, it has been worse at one point in their life. So for me, I think I speak for my team. We cool with it all, man. We, we're going to eat what we have to eat. We're going to wake up. We're going to hoop. We're going to have fun, go on a walk, go on a jog, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, we're going to compete. All right. So Jimmy Butler has, I think, in a lot of ways, refashioned his whole reputation because he has said every right thing you could possibly say since coming to Miami. Has he misstepped once in your view, Alf, one time with anything he said since he's been with the Heat? Um, I mean, no, not to Heat fans. <laughs> like he said, he's basically giving us cocaine, uh, like in the form of sound bites. Like it's a, it's all that culture, baby. It's all we can handle. So no, he hasn't misstep. I know. I'm probably on the outside looking in. There's probably people that looked at some of his comments and you know they think, oh, he's doing too much and this and that. But I mean, for Heat fans, no, he's 
He said everything you wanted to say, he everything you wanted a heat culture guy to say, he said it. So let's get to it on the basketball end as we transition to Caius. What he's done from a basketball perspective this year, as opposed to what he did from a basketball perspective in Chicago, in Minnesota, in Philadelphia, in your view, has the unselfishness that he has clearly shown behind the scenes, whether it's empowering Bam, uh, you know, letting Tyler Hero live at his place in Chicago when he didn't even know him as a rookie for a week, you know, before training camp started, all the things that he's done behind the scenes, propping up Spo after challenging him for a week and deciding he's telling people around him, I tried, he's the best coach I've played for, I'm not going to give him shit anymore. Um, all of the things that, that Jimmy's done. But on the floor, is this the most unselfish Jimmy Butler of his career? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, the per game numbers can be a little bit, uh, a little bit simple for lack of a better way to phrase it. But I mean, this is easily his career high in assists. I mean, that showcases that he's been sharing the ball, but it's also with the way he plays. Like Bam Adebayo has taken a huge leap because he gets to initiate so much of the offense um, from the elbows. He gets to push out the breaks. He gets to have the ball. Um, Kendrick Nunn has stepped in as a rookie. He's got to handle the ball a ton. Like Jimmy Butler has started out games. I mean, I would say 80% of the games he's played started out in facilitator mode to the point that where sometimes we watch him and we're upset because he's not taking it to the lane or just taking over when he getting these kind of cold um, scoring stretches. But um, it, it, you can tell he's made a point to empower, especially particularly the young guys around him. He's really made them feel comfortable. And I think that kind of thing bodes well for the playoffs because they've the young guys have had plenty of reps handling the ball, taking shots in um, big moments. Hasn't always worked out, of course. But I think that experience helps, especially now looking at how weird the season is. You're just going to need guys that are they aren't afraid of the moment. So to that end, though, and I agree with you. I mean, you, you, look, you look at it. I mean, he's basically played point guard this year, essentially. The ball's been in his hands a ton when it hasn't been in Bam's hands. Um, you know, his usage rate, which was never, never high compared to other stars around the league, has been lower for most of the season than, than it was in other places than it was in Minnesota, for sure. Um, do you want him to be more aggressive now? Because he, he has his one – of the, one of the things, you know, that we've talked about is his legs. And he was asked today repeatedly, he does not like talking about injuries, doesn't like talking about the wrists, doesn't like talking about his ankles, none of that stuff. He kept saying, I'm fine, I'm in great shape, I'm in great condition. Um, if all of that is true, if this gave him time to heal, because I believe the wrist was bothering him, I believe the ankle was bothering him. If it's given him time to heal all of that stuff, should he be taking more shots? Should more of the offense be ending with him instead of just starting with him? Um, I slightly lean yes. I think, especially in the playoff setting, that's all going to be contingent on how much the jumper back bounces back, if at all. Because I think that's really the only thing that's been hindering him, period, this year. Um, he's taken a step back offensively. You've seen the improvement in his playmaking or more of a showcase of his playmaking. The defense is a little bit better than it was in Philly and definitely better than it was in Minnesota when he was going through his, uh, his mishaps there. Um, so he stepped up there. He's rebounding the ball well. When he's doing basic, he's getting to the line at a career high late. His free throw rate is through the roof. Uh, he's doing everything except shooting the ball well. And that's kind of concerning because teams are just going to duck under picks against him, especially once we get into the actual playoffs, teams are going to drop. So he's going to need to be able to knock down those pull-up jumpers because getting to the free throw line 12, 13, 14 times a game, he has the ability to do that, but I'm not sure that's a thing that he can really bank on. So um, I do want him making more decisions because he's the best, I think he's, going to, he's the best decision maker that he have, but he's got to get the jump shot back to make it work. So, Alf, when you look at it, and we've talked about this a lot on the pod, about kind of what his role was supposed to be and what it has been since he came in. And I remember Spo sitting down with us at Media Day, which seems like six years ago, uh, <laughs> and saying, uh, you know, that he's a better playmaker than I expected. And I don't know that everybody took him seriously at the time, but it was like Spo was looking at him as a LeBron-like figure, um, maybe instead of a Dwayne-like figure, like more of a, and, uh, some, you know, again, someone who was going to initiate – for everybody else. Um, but, but do you, do you want to see him more aggressive? Cause I know you were, I think two of our frustrations the whole year were there were times where Jimmy looked like he could take over and he didn't. And then also times where Bam looked like he could shoot and he wouldn't. So how do you see? Yeah. That? I, I just hope like Nikias is saying that he, there's a, despite his shooting, he's done so many good things for the offense and just so many good things for the team. Um, 
And I would just hope that he picks his spots and he is more, I want him to be more aggressive, but I still, it's, it's hard because I want him to be more aggressive, but I still want him to trust Bam and Tyler and Duncan and all these guys and empower him, empower them the way that he's done during the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, it's a different animal. Like we've been saying, he can't, we, you can't give away games in the playoffs. Duncan Robinson more confidence, right? So he has to pick his spots where, okay, guys, this ain't working. I'm just going to take over. Like, Goran does that a lot as far as offensively where he just said, okay, uh, we need scoring. I'm going to score. And there's been times this year where I feel like Jimmy could do that, and he hasn't. Um, And maybe he didn't trust the jumper. Maybe there was an injury that we don't know about. And hopefully uh, with the time off, a lot of that stuff has been put to bed and he can come back stronger and more confident. So, like, I I do want him to be more aggressive, but I want him to pick his spots. And I feel like he has always been a clutch guy. He's been a guy where when when it mattered, he stepped up. So I'm hoping that when it comes to the playoffs and playoff time, he takes that decision-making and takes that to another level where he says, okay, the rest of the guys don't have it tonight. I'm taking over. I mean, is there if the jumper does come back? I mean, what is what is the part of his jumper game that you want to see come back the most, Nikai? Because I don't know that he's ever going to be consistent thirty-five from three, right? Is it's just it's the mid-range stuff that he used to be much more automatic on than he was this year? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I said I would imagine most teams that the Heat are going to face or have the potential of facing up. If we're looking at an Indiana matchup, they're going to play a lot of drop coverage. He's going to have that mid-range pull-up jumper there whenever he wants it. Um, if they beat the Pacers and get Milwaukee in the second round, Milwaukee plays a deep drop coverage. Lopez is going to hang basically from the net. You're going to have mid-range jumpers all over the place. Jimmy has to be able to get – he has to knock, the, knock those down enough to at least make the big step up. That's going to open up the lob to Bam. Um, if guys start to cheat down, it's going to knock out – it's going to open up those kickout passes to your Duncans, to your Tyler Heroes. But it's all going to start – from that 15 to 18 foot range. Jimmy's been good at that range before. He just needs to get back there. Nakaya, right. real quick. Do you, do you think that the aggressiveness is just a question of the jump shot? Like if he made jump shots at the clips that he made in the past, we wouldn't even talk about aggressiveness because he'd be averaging 24, 25 points a game. Or is it there? Do you see a mentality of, of where he's trying to get guys? I know we all, we all think he's trying to get guys more involved. But is that what it is, or is it just the fact that he's missing shots that makes it seem that he's not being as aggressive as he used to be? Um, I think the missing shots thing stands out more late in games because that seems to be those that seems to be the times that he does take more of an onus to take shots, and the shots are just just clanking off the back of the room at this point. So um, I do think there's definitely been a concerted effort to get those guys more involved, the young guys especially. But um, I think late in games is where it really stands out. And when you take a look at the leadership part of this, because uh, I keep cycling back to this because I think, you know, I think we're trying to – I think we can all assume Jimmy's going to play well when he comes back. I think Jimmy's biggest value here is going to be not the bouncing the basketball at 3.30 in the morning or whatever it is he's doing, but essentially creating a structure for his teammates – and one of the things we've talked about here is I feel like in, in the Western Conference, the leaders you would want, Nikias, I'm curious about this from your perspective because we, I think we, we've all talked about this. I, I said basically if there, there were four guys that you would want leading your team in the bubble right now, it would be LeBron and Chris Paul in the West of their respective teams. And it would be, I think, Giannis and Jimmy in the East. Is, is there – I mean – is there another player in the league that you think other guys would fall in line behind the way it seems like everybody's going to fall behind LeBron in LA. They have to people fall behind Giannis because they like him. People fall behind Chris Paul because he's force of his personality and <laughs> just the way that he is. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Jimmy is in that way, sort of Chris Paul East um, in some ways. Is, is there anybody you would rather have than him or those other three? Um, I think just from a personality perspective, I think Russ has a lot of that, Jimmy, to where he plays so hard and he's so intense all the time that guys kind of follow after him. I actually think he's been good for James Harden in that regard. Not that James Harden 
is kind of a lackadaisical guy. But I mean, he does take some he does take some possessions off. Um, if he doesn't, we've seen it in the past. If he doesn't have the ball, he's spotting up forty feet from the basket, not moving at all. Part of that is scheme, and a lot of that is James just not want to do something. Um, Russ doesn't have that issue, and we've seen well before the season shut down. The last couple of months, you could argue Russ was Houston's best player because he was mm-hmm. the engine. He was the guy getting to the basket at will. And then once Houston went really small, the the paint opened up for him, and he really kind of took over. So I think Russ kind of fits that mold as well. But as far as if there's someone I would take over Jimmy in that regard, um, I mean, I wouldn't take – I mean, I would definitely take Braun over him. I would take mm-hmm. – um, I would take Giannis. Um, after that, well, Kawhi, if you want to throw him in there. But, but, okay, but that – no, I, I was wondering when you would get to him because that one feels different. I mean, I know he just won a championship in Toronto, so obviously the guys fell behind him enough. But that one, I don't know. I mean, he leads in such a different way than, than Jimmy. And he's had times in his career where he hasn't led either. Like in San Antonio, I mean, he gets – he and the Spurs, to me, get the biggest pass in the sport for what happened there because Kawhi, you know, is not perceived that way and like LeBron is, per se, and Pop can do no wrong. So mm-hmm. nobody looks at the fact that, like, you had arguably the best player in the league who essentially sat out for a season – forced his way out and it did no damage to his reputation and no damage to the reputation of the Spurs. It's a, it's a weird situation to me. Uh, I think the little bit of a hit that Kawhi did take, he pretty much washed all of that away with the playoff run. Like if you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You didn't believe in Kawhi for whatever reason. Him basically having a Jordan S playoff run statistically and kind of if you look at the eye test with all the mid-range jumpers that he sprinkled in and he did so on one leg like he he basically looked like 98 Jordan last year which I'm not sure I mean you kind of have to fall behind him when he's playing that way and he's playing with the the element that he was dealing with all right so enough Jimmy Butler talk we'll get to him in another episode and I sort of uh, varied off there to Kawhi we're gonna get to Derek Jones Jr. um, in a second but first, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. And we talk about them all the time because they are local, just like us. Big, big Miami sports fan. That's Mark from You Break Wheel Fix. Mark from You Break Wheelfix.com. They've got 15 years of experience in wheel repair and refinishing. They're located just south of Aventura in North Miami. They do repairs of cracked, bent, curbs, and damaged wheels. They also do refinishing and powder coating back to factory specifications, along with over 5,000 available custom colors. And yes, they've got the vice colors for the heat. They've got those themed wheel colors after your favorite South Florida teams. They've got one right now that you got to check out for the Miami Dolphins as well. So visit You Break Wheel Fix on Twitter IG, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can call them at 305-748-0112. That's 305-748-0112. The website is youbreakwheelfix.com. All right, let's get back to part two of five on the floor. Talked about Jimmy Butler in the first part. Now I'm going to get into Derek Jones Jr. He spoke to the media today for the first time since his coronavirus diagnosis um, basically said he had no symptoms. He was not concerned. Um, He just took it like a diagnosis of basically a cold. That's kind of the way he acted about it. Um, Said he did what he was supposed to do, came back to the bubble, was ready to play. Um, You know, this gets into the fact that I've heard that, you know, both Bam and Nunn are similarly fine. And I'm anticipating at least one of them uh, being with the team here in the next couple of days. So I think that this is going to be a full roster relatively soon. And again, DJJ just comes back into the fold. It doesn't look like he lost any time. That's good. It doesn't look like his health is negatively impacted in any way. And that's great. Let's get to the basketball aspect of this with him, Nikias, um, because we've talked a lot about Casey Akpala and Spo talked a lot about Casey Akpala today too. <laughs> he was asked about him. So it wasn't just on his own. 
but he talked about the development he made offensively, but also that he says he thinks he can be an elite defender uh, in the league uh, today. And he also said something that I think Heat fans should hang on to, which is that he has repeatedly said now that he's going to play more guys. He's going to play more players in these, in not just the scrimmages and the preseason games, but also in the eight regular season games before the playoffs, that he's going to go deeper into the rotation. Like, we haven't put the words in his mouth. He has said that, and that means maybe KZ could play. I know you have your issues with DJJ as a ball handler. <laughs> I know there are some other things you would like to see him uh, develop. Um, what is his role on this group now before we get to the future what is it he can offer as part of a i don't know 10 11 man rotation that spo may roll out um i think he's going to be your probably your second or your third best role man depending on if chris silva sees any minutes and behind bam Adebayo, obviously um he's a guy that is going to be an absolute terror at the edge of their two three zone um he's a guy that has shown the ability to guard at least three positions, sometimes four. Um, we've seen him in the Atlanta game take on Trey Young. Um, I mean, he's he spent time on point guards. He's guarded wings. He's obviously banged with some fours. So um, I think most of his value is going to come from the defensive end. And on the offensive end, it's going to be cleaning up, rolling to the rim, flying in for offensive rebounds. Um, the jumper is obviously the big thing for him. Um, shot around 37% on corner threes last year. Um, let's just say he is not close to that number this year. Um, so I think the jumper has to come around for him for teams to even pretend to respect them because if they don't, the floor is going to be incredibly cramped. He also said today, Alf, that he once he keeps repeating it, he says, I don't want to be anywhere else except with this team. Um, would you be surprised at this point if Derek Jones Jr. is not a member of the long-term future of the Miami Heat? No, I wouldn't be surprised because we know Riley. <laughs> we know uh, he's uh, willing to part with just about anybody for the right deal. I, as as much as I like Derek jo Derek Jones Jr. as a player, um, I have I have a lot of the same reservations about him as Nikias does. Uh, once he puts the ball on the floor, um, anything can happen. And as far as the shooting is concerned, if he does not, if he doesn't become a respectable three point shooter. He he. It's not like he's a liability out there offensively, but what he he kind of he kind of changes what they can do offensively and and how versatile they are offensively. I love his defense. The fact that he can guard one, two, and three, and like Nakai said, sometimes four. I mean, makes him a huge asset. The, the fact that there's a lot of times speedy ball handlers give the Heat trouble, and you could put long arm Derek Jones Jr. on them out. Um, at the point of attack, and he can he can slow them down. Like it's it's a huge it's a huge plus. But um, but just his, the shooting and the ball handling, it just it doesn't bode well for him being some uh, a guy that they won't part with, or a guy that um, you know is just it's just a non-starter when it comes to a trade. So yeah, I don't um, I don't I I would not be surprised if he gets traded. I I think there is some duplication there with. Uh, Casey Akpala, and I think that if that essentially is going to is going to be where they make their decision, is he is he part of the long term future? And also, if if he wants to be here so bad, what is he going to take as far as a contract? When there are going to be other teams out there that are, are going to be suitors, so I think a lot of guys say that at the time. I mean, I think Kyrie Irving <laughs> said that in, in front of the entire Boston arena. The Boston crowd that he's not going anywhere. It, it feels good at the time, but once those contract negotiations start and once those trade rumors start flying around, people tend to act a little bit differently. Well, and, and I, I'm with you on that. I, I do think the fact that he's like Bam's closest friend on the team is probably a pull. I know nothing's more of a pull than money, but there are other things that may keep him here. I, I guess the thing that's got me hesitating a little bit is I know that our guy Leif Greg Sylvander has some some you know connects that you know, in the organization and other places that make him feel pretty good about what he tweeted today, which is that the organization believes that there's a lot more upside to DJJ and focuses more on his age and sort of his youth than anything else. And that maybe we're not accounting for that upside. I guess sometimes because I have trouble seeing it, um, you know, not that he hasn't made great strides already, but I feel like they've already pushed him in the direction where his upside will flourish, which is his length defensively. Um, 
I, I don't look at him as someone like, whereas with other guys, I look, I look at Bam and I say, okay, there's a jumper in there and eventually they're going to bring it out and there's upside there, right? And then there's range. I don't know with Derek. He talked today about how he felt his jumper improved and his offensive decision-making improved. I agree on the offensive decision-making. I thought he was a bad offensive decision-maker when he came in and I think he's become competent. Um, the shooting, though, I still don't trust him with a shot when he's open and I think other teams don't trust him with a shot when he's open. And I think that for all the progress that he's made ultimately is going to be the thing that, that, you know, may make the heat decide there's a price we're not going to go beyond. Yeah. That's just kind of the reality of it. Um, he has improved as a decision maker, but I also think the heat have been pretty intentional about not giving him many decisions to make. And that's also a testament to his lack of ball skills. Um, and I'm not sure a, how much he can really improve those, and B, considering how far away he is in that area, I'm not sure how many reps he's going to get to improve those because Jimmy's going to be your primary. Bam out of bio is your secondary, basically. Kendrick Nunn's your ball handler. If they bring Goran Dragic back, he's going to be there. Tyler Hill's going to need more reps. So, it, I mean, Andre Iguodala handles the ball, and he's probably going to be here next year if for no other reason than to trade him later. So, I mean, you're looking at six guys already that are going to handle the ball more. Kelly Olenek, if he comes back, that's seven. So I'm not sure where that growth comes from. Um, the shot is very inconsistent. I mean, to have basically a 15% drop on corner threes from last year to this year is a huge impediment. And there are only so many rim runs he can make before defenses is kind of re recognize what he is. Um, just making the quick reference to Justice, I mean, Justice was a shooter that defenses didn't really trust, but they at least pretend to run out at him. Derrick Jones Jr. flat out gets the Tony Allen treatment to where he's just completely discarded. And that just doesn't work in a playoff setting unless you have someone else that can really break, that can really break defenses. And Jimmy's close, but he's not necessarily there. You'll be looking at your, your Stephs, your KDs, your LeBrons, those types to where you can make that not matter. Jimmy Butler isn't, isn't quite at that tier. And if you're playing Jimmy and Bam and Derrick Jones Jr. together, probably for defensive purposes, the court is just incredibly small. And I, I'm just not sure where, I'm not sure where the upside comes from. You have to hope that he turns into a competent shooter. And he just – there just hasn't been enough to be confident in that. Not that it can't happen, but I just don't see where the confidence comes from yet. Let me ask one final thing on Derek, and then we're going to move on uh, with another of our sponsors and then kind of get a Heat fan's perspective on, on some of this stuff. Um, does any of it matter, in your view, on whether you keep DJJ from a playing standpoint on who you're going to be bringing in in the future? Like – Nikias mentions the fit with Jimmy, right? I think that Heat fans would salivate at the idea of having Giannis or Oladipo and Jimmy and Bam and DJJ all out there at the same time. Like, that seems impossible to – but also offensively, there may be clunky fits with certain guys. If, if, if Giannis is here and he's not a shooter and Jimmy's not a shooter and Bam is not a shooter and DJJ is not a shooter – and you can only put one of Hero or Dragic or Robinson or any of those guys or none on the floor at a time. You just don't have enough shooting. Does any of this matter on who the Heat add? Was that for me? Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. My bad. Um, I, I don't know. Um, just, just because of everything that we're saying, even if, like, the, the guy that you add is Beal, right? And your 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 big three is Beal, Bam, and uh, Jimmy. Uh, is DJJ out there? I guess it's less of a liability, but it also depends on who's your one. Um, are you keeping Kendrick Nunn if you get uh, Bradley Beal, or is that he's going to be part of the trade? Um, I I do think that the lineup that you suggested with Giannis, uh, DJJ, Jimmy, and Bam, um, I think <laughs> I mean I think that'd been a great lineup in the '90s. But I mean, in today's NBA, like I mean, who is who is going to shoot unless, I mean, unless you have Duncan Robinson out there and who's your one? I mean, that's I don't think that's a that's a that's a very good mix. So, I, I it's just tough for me um, when you look at his limit the when you look at his limitations, where where he fits. Like the Kais was saying, when you talk about. Where are you going to get the growth from? What do you like is he finished through contact a lot better this year, right? Um, he's get, he, he's not getting to the line that much, but he does get to the line a little bit. And the, the rim runs are really exciting. And like, like we said, like, we like the defense. But when, when it comes time for those negotiations, and if, it, if, it, if it's any impediment 
towards them signing a big free agent or signing a big name. I just don't think it happened. All right, we're going to get into some more stuff now with, with our sponsor, but I've also got something I want to tell you at the end of the episode, so make sure that you stick around. All right, and now on Five on the Floor, we've been bringing on local sponsors, um, people who support Five Reasons Sports, also support the community, um, really helped us get through COVID, but also they're all Miami sports fans. And, you know, unfortunately, there are some things that may be more necessary now than they were when we were talking a few months ago. I'm going to give uh, our next guest a chance to introduce himself, but like I said, we're also going to talk a little bit of heat, and then I've got something uh, that I want to announce, a giveaway here at the end of the episode. Gabe, we got Gabriel Gonzalez with us. Gabe, thanks for joining us. Gabe, you got on, oh, sorry. There you go. You got me? I got you. Hi, how are you? We're good. Tell me a little bit about what you do. Uh, so yeah, so I'm a bankruptcy attorney. Um, my firm is called Gonzalez and Tybor, PA. We're a bankruptcy law firm. Uh, we've been in practice since 2012, uh, focusing mainly on consumer bankruptcy. So, you know, individuals who need to figure out a way to get out of debt. Um, and there's a bunch of different things that, a uh, bunch of different problems that bankruptcy can solve for a lot of people. Um, and I think as you stated, you know, now is a time where a lot of people are facing financial uncertainty, um, especially as it relates to their mortgages. I know that uh, when you know coronavirus started, a lot of mortgage companies were offering a three-month uh, forbearance period, um, and those three months are starting to run out for some people. And if your bank won't work with you to repay that, um, bankruptcy might be a good option uh, to do so. And again, it's, not, it's, it's something that I think people don't like to talk about, but as I always talk about on the spots here on five on the floor, um, it is one of the few things that does not ruin your credit. See, I know all this by heart now. Uh, and yeah. in, fact, in fact, it can increase your credit score. Um, and so it doesn't, and it's one of the few things that actually the government does to help consumers, which there aren't a whole bunch of those these days. Yeah, I mean, most, you know, when, when laws get enacted, typically it's, they're designed to help, you know, the people that can push lawmakers, right? Corporations, large interests. Um, you know, people think that bankruptcy is like a signal of failure or giving up or something like that, but the government wants people uh, it makes sense for them to file bankruptcy, right? Instead of sending all of your disposable income to the same two or three creditors, if you can discharge your debt, right, and keep that money for yourself, it means that you can, well, maybe not now, but when things get better, go to the movies, go out to eat, uh, you know, spend your disposable income at local businesses, and that helps our economy. That's why bankruptcy laws exist. Um, and most of the, you know, as it relates to credit scores and things like that, I mean, most of my clients, when they come to see me, they've already defaulted on their debt. So the bankruptcy is not going to make things worse. It's going to make things better. It'll take you from having whatever amount of debt you have down to zero. Right. And, and for the first time in a long time, you're actually an attractive borrower to lenders, right? If you got $30,000 in credit card debt, you're going to have a hard time getting a car loan. But if that debt gets knocked down to zero, even if it's from a bankruptcy, there are, there are lenders that'll work with you. So, you know, that, that's sort of the, uh, uh, that's sort of the point of that, that, uh, part of the ad read where it does actually improve your credit. So check it out. Gonzalez and Tybor. We're going to switch over to some heat conversation here. Um, how long have you been a Heat fan? And kind of the topic I wanted to get into here is I tweeted this out today that listening to Heat guys, there's been this constant refrain about came from Jimmy Butler, but others where they're in a, seem unaffected by the bubble. Like they are, they're cool. Like they're, they're, they're enjoying it. We want to be together. Whereas we had Rashawn Rondo complaining about being in a motel six and Rashawn Holmes is going across the street to get Postmates and has to be quarantined. And I feel like this is, and Alf, I want you to jump in first, and then I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get with Gabe on this. 
I feel like this, I tweeted this and it's, people seem to agree. This is the most Miami Heat team of all Miami Heat teams. It doesn't mean it's the best Miami Heat team, but I feel like they've bought into whatever it is Eric Spolster had in his head that the Miami Heat organization should be, this team is. It's just, it's so much culture. Whatever, like we, we talk about it all the time and you make, you know, you make your jokes about it which I think too, because I'm a culture warrior. Um, but it's like, it's, it's the most culturiest, culturiest culture team of all time. Like they, they all just, they all, like you said, they feed into it. And I think it's because even, I, I don't know if you remember how LeBron started becoming like a little spoke clone during interviews and like post game interviews and stuff. He started to sound like Spo. Um, but now what you have is a more confident Spo and a more aggressive uh, parrot in the form of Jimmy, right? It's like, it's like, I don't know if you remember, um, they had, uh, they would have the angry Obama translator. I, I feel, I feel like uh, Key and Peel, they'd have the Obama, then the angry Obama translator. I feel like that's what Jim Butler is to Spo. He's like the angry Spo translator. And so, like, you just have two mouthpieces at the front of the team and that are both just disciples of this Church of Riley, where it's all just about toughness and, oh, uh, we can take it, we're this, we're that, we're the Miami Heat. I mean, everything that comes out of Jimmy's mouth is, I take the Miami Heat, oh, we're, we're the Miami Heat. Like, I mean, these guys are just so bought in. And I just, I've never seen it to this level before because even when, no matter when, you know, you always had one or two guys on the team that was maybe a little bit of a goofball, <coughs> Hassan. Um, or you, or you had guys who are kind of just doing their own thing, even to the point where Dwayne Wade was never, uh, as bought in as Jimmy is when it comes to the heat culture stuff. So the guy who was leading your team was not necessarily the, the, the uh, heat culture guy, uh, in, in, in the vein of Jimmy Butler. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's just, it's funny to see it. It's, um, it's entertaining. Um, and as a heat fan, you just got to love it. Gabe, for you, I mean, first thing, when was your first uh, year kind of really following the Heat? Um, probably after Dwayne Wade got here. Um, I mean, I, uh, I don't really remember a lot about his rookie season, but it was that following season, right? The, the one where they lost in the second round of the Pacers, mm -hmm. right? Before, I think before Shaq got here. Um, that, that season sort of, you know, I mean, I had always followed the team, but that, that season sort of made me fall in love with the team. And then, you know, after that, it was, it, you know, it was basically just all, all wait until, until, um, 2010, 11. Well, one of the things we've talked to heat fans about, and, uh, and then we can close here with you, Alf is, you know, the idea of how the heat were going to move past Wade, right? Because there is a generation of heat fans that are heat fans strictly because of Dwayne. It wasn't, it wasn't LeBron. It wasn't Shaq. It was Dwayne. It was the evolution of Dwayne. It was Dwayne coming back. It was everything Dwayne meant to the community. It was everything he represented. Um, and then now Dwayne's gone. And one of the questions I had was, how were they going to move past Dwayne? And they, they sort of that first year when they didn't have Dwayne, when he went to Chicago, they kind of moved past it with that ridiculous 30 and 11 run. But and everybody kind of knew that, except the Heat, kind of knew that that wasn't sustainable, <laughs> right? But now it's like, I didn't know if they'd ever find anything sustainable enough to make you kind of forget Dwayne. And I'm not saying that we've totally forgotten Dwayne. Obviously, they had the celebration for him this year and everything. But I feel like, Alf, do you feel like finally, Heat fans, fans this team has allowed them to move past Dwayne? I think it has, and, and partly because um, the whole Jimmy thing, the, the Jimmy thing materialized as a Dwayne passing the torch kind of deal, right? It always felt like, Dwayne's working his ass off to get Jimmy here. So with Jimmy coming here, it's it kind of feels like a, a Dwayne's last gift, you know, if you will. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's it doesn't feel like you're moving on from Dwayne. It feels like Dwayne helped you move on from him. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, right? It's just it's like it it almost doesn't feel like you're cheating on Dwayne <laughs> because, you know, Dwayne gave you permission like Will and Jada, but that's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> that's an entanglement we don't need to get into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I yeah, mean, Gabe, so you, I feel like it, it, it came with, a, it came with Dwayne's blessing. So it, it feels, it feels okay. I mean, Gabe, are you okay now as, as heat fan representative now? Cause Alf has <laughs> moved into media. I don't call him a fan anymore. He does not allow to clap on press row. Um, I, I, are you comfortable now moving forward with this team without Dwayne? 
I mean, you know, right. Dwayne Wade will always have a special place in all of our hearts, I'm sure. But um, I mean, Jimmy Butler's attitude is, is, I mean, infectious. I, you know, I, I, all, it seems like all he cares about is basketball, right? I mean, and winning, he doesn't care about anything else and he'll do whatever it takes to make sure that that happens. So, uh, and the personalities on this team are, are, are fantastic. Um, you know, Myers Leonard is like, a, a, you know, he's a dude bro, but he's got a soft side and, <laughs> I mean, all these, all these characters are fantastic. It's, you know, I, I love this team. Uh, they're, they're really fun to follow. And I, I hope, uh, I heard you guys talking earlier. I, I really like Derek Jones Jr. But uh, God, you guys make it seem like he's definitely not going to be around. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be that negative. I think Alf is just, it's a little of that Riley-itis where you just assume he's going to trade everybody. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think he's definitely gone, but I do think they have enough options. And, and I think when people get a look at KZ Akpala playing more, you know, then they're going to get excited about him too. But yeah, I think that is one of the unique things about this team. And I think good teams do this, teams that the community likes, is that they do have a lot of different types of personalities and everybody's kind of filling a role. And now the Tyler Hero has become Eminem. Um, you know, it's, it's <laughs> and as you mentioned, Myers Leonard has completely confused people because I see a lot of that on Twitter where people thought it was a fake act. I mean, Alf, we even talked about that. They thought it was like not real, that he's like just was a frat boy, you know, goof off. And we found him to be totally the opposite with the exception of, of shotgunning a Coors Light in, in half a <laughs> second. Uh, that, that is, no, it's a really unique uh, interesting team. And I, I think that fans have, have really enjoyed it. And, you know, for me, it's, it's changed my perspective because I really did not enjoy the teams that they had the previous uh, three seasons, even with Dwayne. Um, and this, you know, this has been a totally different look. All right, real quick here. Where do they find you, Gabe? Yeah. Uh, the website is bankruptcy is good for you.com. It doesn't matter how you spell that. Uh, the phone number is nine, five, four, three, seven, eight, eight one eight four that rings to my cell phone um so again bankruptcy is good for you.com nine five four three seven eight eight one eight four all right and the one thing i was going to tell you i said to stick around at the end we're going to be giving away a heat shirt okay we're giving away a heat shirt uh to the person who does this and there's a first to tag us uh with the screenshots of it tomorrow you need to follow these accounts on twitter Five Reason Sports, which I'm guessing you probably already do, the number five Reason Sports. Five on the floor, five, that's spelled out, F-I-V-E, on the floor, and then the number five, and Clutch NBA, not uh, spelled C, Clutch NBA at 5R on Twitter. Be the first to do that. I'm sending you a T-shirt. Everybody have a good day. on the floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.